The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. As we begin, I ask you to open your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to be considering together this morning our epistle reading. Uh, On this, the first Sunday of what some call ordinary time, but I think that's kind of ordinary, and others call it Trinity Tide, the season after Pentecost. Now, to set the context, because we're going to have a charge in the sermon this morning from the Lord God, but we need to set the context of where we are in terms of the church calendar so we understand what the text is about this morning. So, we began way back in Advent, and Advent was a time where we prepare for the coming of a king, a deliverer, a Lord, a Savior. And we, we go through the weeks of Advent, lighting our candles, asking the Lord to send the light of God into the darkness of the fall. And then we come in Christmas morning, and we celebrate the fact that God has sent to us a Savior, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, the very Son of God, very God of very God, come in the flesh, forsaking all of heaven's glory, as St. Paul reminds us, cloaking himself in humanity that he might set free a people. And then we go to Epiphany, where the Magi come and deliver to him gifts, befitting the reality that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and where he enters the waters of the Jordan, and he comes out uh, out of the water with a voice of heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, empowering him for the mission which is to come. Then we enter into Lent, where we recognize the fact that we The ones he's come to seek and to save are a lost people, a broken and bereft people, and we need to do business about our own sin. We need to come into the reality that we are sinners in need of a savior. And so we journey through this Lenten season recognizing the one who has come is holy and we who he's come to save are broken. And as we journey through this Lenten season and we come to that Friday, where Jesus hangs upon the tree and declares his work finished. And we come on Holy Saturday to the great Easter vigil where the light begins on the outside and we come processing in, reminded that the light of Christ has come into the world. And we declare what we believe. We hear the story of grace from the Old Testament all the way through the New. And we shout together, We believe. And we renew our vows of faith. And we're sprinkled anew with the water, reminding us that we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And we sing, Alleluia, the Lamb has come. And that leads us on a 50-day journey where we wait. We wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We wait for the reminder that it is only as Christ ascends 
and as the Spirit descends, that we have the power to live the life that we are called to live as witnesses of the Lord God Almighty, as Paul, uh, I'm sorry, as Luke reminds us in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will be witnesses when the Spirit has come upon me. You will be my martyrs. You will be the holy ones scattered throughout the world from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth so that the world might know this story that we've just lived. And today we come to Trinity Tide. This green should call to your remembrance that God sent his son and he died and rose again to conquer sin's debt. And he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us that the world might be redeemed. We're on mission. This green reminds us this morning that there's a call to action. We aren't merely to receive from God these great and glorious gifts, but we are to go and make them known to the world in our lives. And so all that's prelude for this text. 2 Corinthians chapter four, beginning in verse one. Therefore, having this ministry, what ministry? When the verse begins like that, it automatically drives you backwards. What ministry? Therefore, since we have what ministry? And you go back to chapter three and we remember that it's a ministry that began with Moses. I don't have time to go through all of of 2 Corinthians chapter three, though I would love to, but I just wanna give you three kind of hooks to think about the ministry of Moses. Moses came to Declare the freedom of God's people from slavery and bondage to earthly tyranny. And that journey to lead them on an exodus out of slavery into a land of promise. Yes, we can all agree on that, right? And it began with what? The sacrifice of a lamb that was slain. And when the, door, the blood was applied to the doorpost and the lentil of the home, and when the, the family consumed the meal and the death angel came, they were safe, and then they were set free. The second thing Moses did was when they got to the other side of the, the Red Sea, which we don't have time to even talk about that miracle, but when they get to the other side of the Red Sea, their enemy having been destroyed behind them, then he gives a law. So there's a lamb, and there's the law. And then the third thing he says to the people is, this law that the Lord God has given me is so that you might live in the world and that all of the people of the world might see that the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh, is the king of all creation and the ruler of all peoples. This was the first exodus. And now here in Corinthians, Paul says, we have a ministry, what ministry? The ministry of the new exodus. The ministry of a new exodus that began with the lamb as John begins his gospel. Behold, the lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. And when Jesus comes, he stands on the mount and he gives a sermon that amplifies the old commands of the law and he, and he, and he expounds them with, and fills them, imbues them with grace. And the Sermon of the Mount sets the course by which the people of the Lamb are to live their lives. And then, as he concludes his ministry, in Matthew chapter 28, he says, now you go and be a light 
to the nations. You go and make disciples. You go and live this truth so that the world might know. This is the ministry that we've been entrusted with, dear ones. Do you know that this is your ministry? This is why God sent his son. This is why he called you to himself. This is why he died on the cruel cross. This is why he gave us the Holy Spirit, that you and I might be on mission, that we might have this ministry in ourselves by the mercy of God. Do you ever wonder what your purpose in life is? It's that you might be a living witness to the Lord God Almighty. Whatever your vocation, whatever your hobby, wherever you live, whatever you do day by day, your ultimate purpose is to be a display of the grace of the living God. (laughs) How about that? You have this ministry by the mercy of God, and therefore we do not lose heart. Why would they lose heart? Well, the first thing I want you to see in this is that we have a context for ministry. The second thing I want to point out is we're going to have a content, the, the context for ministry, rather, verses one through four, the content of the message, verses five and six, and clay pots for mission, verses seven through 12. First, the context of ministry. The reason why we might lose heart is because, because verse two says, we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways and we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You see, the reason they had to renounce those things is because the context in which we do ministry today is one full of corrupt teachers. Corrupt teachers. There are many who want to tell you that God's word is no longer true. Or that you can take and pick and choose pieces and parts of what God has commanded and those can be okay, but you don't really need to force those on anybody else. You can just live however you feel and that'll be okay. And they do it in the name of Christ. In fact, they create liturgies and services to commend the things that God calls abominations. They preach things that God calls lies and they say it is truth. They stand behind a holy desk and hold a holy book, but they tell you heretical things. And Paul says, we have a mission. We have a ministry that we stand against such things. We don't do them. We won't be a part of them. We won't have anything to do with these things. We won't be corrupt. We won't be the deniers of truth. We won't be the conformers to culture. We will stand with Christ. You see, the the context is that there are corrupt teachers that want to compromise the truth, but we have a compelling truth that is to conform culture. Paul says here, no, no. We won't compromise. We'll rather tell you the truth And by the truth, culture will change. The world will change. We will stand before the people as witnesses of the living God and we will call them to truth and we will call them to life and we will call them to Christ. This is our ministry. You see, dear brothers and sisters, as the days pass, people will love to have folks who will tell them what they want to hear. Kim pulled up a thing on YouTube yesterday that was somewhat funny and a lot sad. 
It was a comedian that was making fun of the fact that actually on Google there are, there are ratings. You know how on Google you can star rate things? There are ratings for churches. And some churches get one star because, well, the sermon was too long or the latte was cold. One actually had one star rating because the paninis were not very good. I've never even understood why you would serve paninis at church, but there you go. Um, I, I, I'm saying this, though. In this day of consumerism, people will do anything to get you to come to their building, but the question is, when you get there, what do you have? I'm sorry we don't have really good soy milk lattes, or paninis for you this morning, but what I do have for you and what I will promise you is that if you come here, you'll get the bread of life. You will hear the truth. And I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you know that we won't have a meal out there, but we will have the holy meal of the Lord's sacrament and thereby participate in the body and the blood of Jesus. And we will stand there. Whatever the culture does, we will stand there because we have this mission by the mercy of God that we make much of Jesus and make him known in the world. That we lead a new exodus, setting people free not from earthly tyranny but from eternal tyranny of sin and sorrow and death. This is your mission. This is our mission. And the context of this mission is hostile as we have corrupt teachers that will sell anything to draw a crowd. So we look now to the content of our message, verses five and six. It's pretty simple, really. Verses five and six, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. Isn't this good news? I wanna just tell you this. The most important thing that'll happen today will not be the preacher. You know what? I'm not a star, don't wanna be. The most important thing that will happen today is that you will come to the table and you will encounter the living God in the bread and the wine. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let the light shine out of the darkness, and it is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Two things I want you to see about the content of the message. The light of the gospel and the Lord of glory. First, the light of the gospel. The gospel has come to shine a light on the reality that you and I are sinners in need of a savior, amen? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but thanks be to God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died that we might be saved. This is good news. So the only gospel that we have, the only good news we have is wrapped up in the finished work of the person of Jesus. And therefore, Our mission, the content of our message, is to make much of the Lord of glory. You see, Jesus Christ is the Lord who was slain for the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lord who couldn't be kept in the grave, but rather ascended from the grave unto life. And he is the sovereign king who is coming again. This is our message.
Our message is one of one man, the man Christ Jesus, who is God the Son and the King of kings and Lord of lords and Lamb that was slain for the sake of the world. We have no other message. I, I got nothing more for you. If you come back next Sunday, I'm going to tell you about the Lamb and the Lord. That's it. That's all I've got. So, the third thing I want you to see in this text is the clay pots for mission. You see, what a gift. What a gift that God so loved the world that he gave his son. Think about the price that he paid for this gift. He gave his son. And the content of this message is more powerful than the enemies of the earth, more powerful than sin, more powerful than sickness, more powerful than death. You see, the content of this gospel declares victory over all of that. And where does he put it? In a vault, no, in clay pots, sorry. Would you take the most valuable thing that you have and stick it in an ordinary, everyday old clay pot? Say no. No, you wouldn't do it. The most valuable treasure that you have, you would want to probably guard it away and and keep it safe, or you might even display it in a lovely case with, with thick glass so that nobody could quite touch it, but could all, could maybe see it. This is not what the Lord does with the greatest treasure ever given. He puts it into the clay pots of people. He puts it into us. You realize Adam was formed out of what? And God breathed into him the breath of life, and all of us who descend after him are nothing more than a bunch of clay pots. And because of the fall, we're actually cracked pots. But there you go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to who? Read it. Who does it belong to? Somebody say it aloud, please, Lord. Who does the power belong to? God, that's right. We have the, power, we have the treasure in jars of clay because it is God alone who has the power to save. It is God alone who has the power to transform. But he uses cracked clay pots to carry that treasure to the ends of the earth. Oh, oh, but this, we, we clay pots as we go forward. Verse eight says, we will be afflicted in every way, but we will not be crushed. That's good news. We will be afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We will be perplexed, but not driven to despair. We will be persecuted, but not forsaken. We will be struck down, but not destroyed. We will always carry in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Brothers and sisters, I'm so affected by this verse, and you might can tell this, but I am so affected by this verse because some years ago, I was reading in the Voice of the Martyrs, and there were a group of Christians in a hidden church in a faraway place a group of militants had come in and killed everyone in that church. And there, in the hands of one of the dead believers, was a Bible open to this passage. As they were killed that day, they were studying this very passage. And I want to say this to you. The militants may have killed their bodies, but they didn't thwart the kingdom. They didn't stop the gospel. 
John Cranmer, as he stood next to Master Ridley the day that they were burned at the stake, said to him, Oh, Master Ridley, play the man. Why? Because though they destroyed their bodies in the flames, the message of the gospel burned ever brighter in England and to the ends of the earth. And dear ones, no matter what you face, if the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and the blood of Christ has covered you, there was nothing that this world can do to you that will thwart what God has planned for you. Do you hear that? So be bold. Be brave. Stand for Jesus. Speak the truth. Speak it in love. Shine the light. Oh, there will be troubles in this world, but the Lord Jesus Christ has triumphed over all of our enemies, and we are victors in Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you today, you have a treasure, a treasure of the gospel. This green should remind you that the world out there is dying, and the only way it ever grows and lives is by the grace of God proclaimed through the word of truth in the lives of believers spread from here to the ends of the earth. So go wherever you go and live for Jesus. Go wherever you go and shine the light of Jesus. Go wherever you go and live boldly for Jesus that the world might see and know that he lives. God's people said, Amen. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.